Hello everyone, Jacob here, also known as Big Yellow Praxis. I'm here with another episode about underrated music. Uh, so this is a podcast generally where I talk about underrated music. Thing, things that I consider underrated, really. It's basically just a, a platform for me to talk about the music I like. Talk at people about the music I like. And occasionally I let them say a few words. Um, <laughs> but for anyone listening, um, you might be listening to this on like Spotify or YouTube or whatever. But YouTube is the main place. Please go to YouTube if you're not listening to me on YouTube because I do tons of music videos generally and like guitar stuff. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm on the gram. I'm on all the social medias. Um, big yellow praxis. Um, I don't really use social media that much, but I'm on there. Um, so yeah, please check it out. Like and subscribe and please share and do all those things. This is me shilling. Get the shilling out of the way. That's my shilling done. <laughs> but this episode, I'm joined by my friend Lottie. Hello, Lottie. Hi. Hello. Um, so this is the first and probably a series of shorter episodes because usually I go on and on and on, but this is a shorter episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about a song that, well, I would say it lies on the border between cute and cringe, but some people might think it firmly lies in one territory rather than in another. But the song and, and the series that I will, I will continue will be like themed around other songs that do, you know, cute or cringe is kind of the question we're asking here. But the song is by Mike Oldfield and is called On Horseback. I like thunder and I like rain and open fires with roaring flames. But if the thunder's in my brain, I'd like to be on horseback. So it was released, I think it was either originally a single, it wasn't a single, it was a B-side to Indulci Jubilo. Is that even how you pronounce it properly? Is it Indulci Jubilo? Like what would no, the no, no, proper... Indulci. Indulci Jubilo. Right, right. Because, yeah. Because it's like, it, it should be like Veni Vidi Viki, shouldn't it? Like... Do... Oh no! Well, it depends. Now, this is I should know. Wait, this, this is this is not a Latin podcast, but I'm just trying to get my <laughs> Latin correct. So, like, is it like the C in Latin? Is it technically like a hard K kind of sound? I think it depends on if you're thinking about classical Latin or medieval mm-hmm. Latin. And no. I, I, I certainly, when I used to learn Latin, like they used to teach us like a more Italian inflected. Mm-hmm pronunciation and that depends on where the c is in the word so like mm-hmm. you know people uh, people are always like oh can i have some bruschetta and it's mm-hmm. like it's actually bruschetta but mm-hmm. you don't correct them because people hate that also so it, sounds, I think... it sounds weird as a british person being like bruschetta it's like is that, yeah. is, that is that loud is that is that is that on these days i don't know i don't think we should uh, oh so just for context for people listening Lottie is a medievalist, hence why she actually knows what she's talking about. Not like me, some pleb being like, Indulci Jubilo? I don't know. Um, but Indulci <laughs> Jubilo. So this song, On Horseback, was originally at the very end of an album called Omadon, but it was also, like maybe a few months or a year later, the B-side to Mike Oldfield's amazing Christmas hit, Indulci Jubilo. But we're not talking about Indulci Jubilo, even though it's a bloody great tune. We're talking about On Horseback specifically. So. I don't know where to start with On Horseback because it's just a weird <laughs> song. I, I, it's, it's just a bit weird, right? <laughs> I think, actually, I was just thinking as you were introducing this, what would be really helpful would be maybe if we tried to define what cringe meant to us. So when mm-hmm. you say something is cringy, what do you think you mean by that? 
Yeah, it's it's an immediate visceral reaction that is sometimes hard to pin down. So I, I guess for me, so right, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's do this foundationally. There are two types of cringe. There's the sympathetic cringe, and almost like a more Schadenfreude kind of cringe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think internet world has moved almost solely towards like the schadenfreude cringe where it's like oh this person's acting really weird and aren't they bad for it but really cringe is like i i struggle even watching like the american office because like i just Mm. there are certain bits where i like i had when i first went through the series i had to pause it and like go for a walk and come back and that's not the cringiest thing ever like peep show was a real struggle for me i can't watch peep show yeah i mean i love it now but um and um the in-betweeners as well i i i just i actually like i shout at the tv i don't quite shout but i have to just be like i think it's really frustrating i cover my face with like my shirt and karen Karen is like it's not that bad it's like i really struggle with that kind of cringe which i think is less schadenfreude cringe and more like a sympathetic cringe yeah yeah you're like don't do this it's not gonna work out well why are you doing this and you imagine that you're there Yes, yeah, yeah. It's the feeling, and I think it's because we've all done things that are somewhat like what the characters in these shows do. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm just, like, sitting there remembering, like, oh, I, I remember when I was 14, I said this. Or, oh, my God, that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> um, yeah, it is that thing. It's, like, occasionally you're just, like, going about your business and you remember something really cringy you did as a teenager and you, like, inadvertently make a sort of small noise of horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I remember the first time a friend of mine did that when he was driving and I was like, are you all right? And he was like, yeah, no, I was just remembering something embarrassing I did. I was like, oh, my God, other people do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, it's terrible. Um, so yeah, if we're talking about like cringy music, I think so. There were like subreddits devoted to cringe, and like I think they've, I think they were good once upon a time, but I think they've degenerated mm-hmm. into like cruel laughing at people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like cringy music, yeah, I think it can genuinely be either. It can be like this is just bad and they should feel bad, <laughs> but sometimes it's just you feel sorry for them, or it's a musician that you like and you feel almost mm-hmm. embarrassed that someone you really like did something so terrible. And sometimes it's just something that's like hopelessly, so this is maybe a segue into the song itself, hopelessly naive or like too straightforward. And you're like, oh my Lord, like how, how can you be so like concrete? And I don't know, it's cringe is multifaceted and always kind of hard to pin down. But I think, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Well, I was thinking the word might be earnest. It's when people are earnest that cringe is almost the worst because yeah, it, it just it, feels it, like you should be connecting on this very human level, but you're just really not. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it really like earnest again. Like, what do we mean by earnest specifically? It's like because earnest is good because like the the least earnest musician is probably like Frank Zappa, and that's way too much. Like for my taste, I'm just like. That's almost like hiding behind like satirical tongue. Like, yeah. oh, I'm never serious and you can never pin me down. Huh? It's like, I, I want some level of earnestness. Earnestness? Is that a word? Er- Earnesticity? I don't of... know. <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Because, yeah, I was just thinking about that. And I suppose it's true that the musicians I like tend to write music, which feels, I mean, confessional is probably the word. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Sufjan Stevens is incredibly earnest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot, of people suppose... do fi- a lot of people do find him cringy. I'm not saying he is, but a lot of people... That's interesting. That is very interesting. I can, I can see why they would be like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's someone who's... What they're being earnest about feels so alien to you that you can't connect, and that creates that kind of disconnect, and that maybe 
let's cringe in. I think that's part of it. It's also like if you're really, really earnest, but you're not adequately competent. Like, so some mm. people find Sufjan Stevens cringy, like, but tons, tons of people find Stevie Wonder cringy, find uh, the Beatles cringy, find the Kinks cringy, find the Rolling Stones, Prince. It doesn't matter who. There's someone out there who's just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And it's something mm. to do with, I don't know, whatever. But I don't think you could objectively look at Sufjan Stevens and be like, yeah, he is cringe with a capital C. Whereas there are some songs where it's like, you can objectively say, this person is too earnest and it's mm. the incompetent it's the incompetence that makes them cringe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sufjan like Sufjan Stevens is clearly very earnest and like his lyrics can like you could perceive them as trite. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I... they are, but you could. Yeah, yeah, I can see that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. In the same way that I love Stevie Wonder, but you know, lots of people are just like, oh, he's too like trite and like optimistic and but I was just well like that's just who he I is. I like, optimistic. Yeah, exactly. So it's a hard I think kind I of... know. I, I think I, I think I have a finger on it. I think it's mm-hmm. and it's the reason why people always watch the auditions for the X Factor. And mm-hmm. it's not the ones where people are really bad, although you watch you know people watch it for that. All people are really good. It's the ones where people think they're really good mm-hmm. and they're really putting their heart and soul into it, but they're just not good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I suppose that's that's the true heart of cringe for me. It's that sense I think of it someone is. believing it and really yeah, wanting yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. just you just can't do it. I, I I I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some kind of like disparity between what they think they're doing and what they are doing. Hmm. That like most people can agree that certain mo- like, most people can agree certain things are cringe. But you know there are all, like anyone there's someone out there who thinks anything is cringe. It's like it's like the conversation about what is cheesy. Like to me, it's like the least. And some people say I say this because I like a lot of cheesy music. But I object to the, <laughs> I, I object to it's it's the least like descriptive or useful thing to say like everything is cheesy to someone like literally everything is cliched like Mm. everything like you cannot escape cliches no matter who you are like it's just impossible like everyone falls into it like even if you take like the talking heads or velvet underground who contemporarily were like fighting against certain cliches within music there's still a certain cliche of like an artsy like anti like unconventional like oh aren't we different type and you just got to exactly. embrace, like, it's like, what is, what is cheesy? What is cringe? Like, but yeah, there's a disparity for cringe between what they think they're doing and what they are doing. So, right, right. Back to the song. Back to On Horseback by Mike Oldfield. Hey, and away we go through the grass, cross the snow, big brown beastie, big brown face. I'd rather be with you than flying through space. This is a little ditty about how Mike Oldfield likes riding on a horse or like even just owning horses. It's not even just about <laughs> riding on a horse. Um, so like, I think, you, did you listen to this for the first time when I sent it to you the other week? Yes. And then what I listened was... to it again this morning. So what was your like immediate reaction? I found, and I think it's, so I found the spoken verse quality which i i like in a lot of musicians like mm-hmm. uh, nick cave is a good example mm-hmm. but i found the way that he was speaking and the way that it was kind of quasi rhythmic but actually not quite in not actually musically rhythmic yeah, yeah, yeah. and also the kind of the very naive simplicity of the lyrics i found it just made me feel very ah 
like it I thought just... you were going to say angry. It made me feel angry. I thought that's what angry. You were Damn you, old film. No, I just it was it's it's meant to be a kind of naive loveliness wonder, but it just made me feel really uncomfortable. And it's very. I know, I'll get on to that later, the other thing I have to say about it. Um, but, yeah, I think it was just that it was really the spoken word quality, I think, which, mm-hmm. which like, sort of like pseudo fresh gazang. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you mix, so you're, you're mixing your Latin with your German um, in an English-speaking podcast. What am I podcast. doing? What hey, the way I look. We are no mere Philistines on this podcast. We, we, you know, we, we embrace all linguistic um, mongrels. I don't know what else to describe that as. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Like, if, if you're going to do spoken word, the words themselves have to do a lot of the heavy lifting, I guess. Yeah. Like, there are tons of people within popular music who are not great lyricists. Like, let's be honest, Queen lyrics, are Queen lyrics good? Like, they're, they're passable, I think? Are they, are yeah, they they're ever... okay. But no one cares because Freddie Mercury is possibly the greatest singer in popular music. You know, it just it doesn't matter that his lyrics are just they're they're filling it as like noises. But if you turn that into like a spoken word kind of Nick Cave esque song, Queen lyrics would completely fall flat, mm. wouldn't it? And I think the problem with the Michael Phil song is the lyrics don't even reach the the giddy heights of like the average Queen song. <laughs> whilst having no melody whatsoever, um, I would agree. I I I think the 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 spoken word thing is is probably a bit of an issue with the song. It's because yeah, the lyrics are very. I mean, you could write it just down as like a bit of poetry, but that's when it becomes obvious how much it fails. Like it's just, <laughs> it's literally like it's written by like an eight year old. Yeah, it was very subconsciously naive. And, like, Mm -hmm. there are some bits I don't hate. Mm -hmm. So I like the bit when he says, and when the thunder's in my head, I like to go on horseback. But I think as a whole, it's, it's that straining towards a kind of deliberate naivety that I don't like, I think. Mm -hmm. I just... So, so, so what's like what's like a deliberate deliberate naivety I'm, I'm wondering like I think a kind of very simple rhymes mm-hmm. and very so it it opens doesn't it like I like cheese and I like beer mm-hmm. and you're just a bit like there's I like beer and I like cheese oh sorry I like the, I like the smell of a westerly breeze <laughs> and the thing is I'm doing that voice because he kind of sounds like that which again doesn't help like if you're gonna do like a spoken word bit you could have like a deep like a sonorous voice, you can have, you know, a mm. cool accent. Um, you do you know what I mean? You could do some kind of, I don't know, if you're basically there's a whole range of things you can do and it could sound good. But if you have that like nasally home counties English <laughs> accent, I don't think it works. Like, that's another barrier to him here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't love it. And then, well. Somebody said it reminded them of Tolkien, which I wanted to bring up with you. And specifically, mm-hmm. I suppose it'll be like Hobbits, won't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. Like, again, Tolkien's poetry, when you're going through, like, when you're reading through, like, The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, it tends not to be people's favourite part. Um, he's not, he wasn't a great poet. And to be honest, I think most of the time when I've read it, I've just skipped past it because I'm like, yeah, I know what it says. I get the gist. Yeah. Um, but I, I, so I get that, but it's still 
more naive than that and more childish not even childlike childish than that i mean it literally yeah. is like an eight-year-old has been asked to write a poetry about a thing they like and a kid is yeah. going, I, I like horses so i'll write this song about beer and cheese and breezes yeah and then so you've got the kind of spoken word quality of the verses and then you go into the musical chorus which is okay like mm -hmm. i didn't like it that much to listen to and then i was just downstairs loading the dishwasher and i found myself like singing it to myself and i was like oh, damn it because i mean the man can write a tune yeah yeah right so yeah that's i i I, re I really love mike oldfield i think he's amazing like this album is probably my favorite one of his so it's his third album his first obviously being tubular bells which is pretty much all he's known for these days which is his debut album sold millions and millions um and he finished it when he was like 21 or something and he recorded everything himself. Uh, I mean, like, unbelievable. But this this album for me is is my favorite, which is I wouldn't say it's ruined by the inclusion of this song because you can just skip it and it's still a full length yeah. album. But it's, it's it follow the album follows the same format as Tubular Bells, um, i.e., two very long songs, and that's the entire yeah. album. I mean, like, it is incredibly seventies. It's very progressive rock, um, and Mike Oldfield is. He's an amazing melodist, I would say. Like he, he genuinely he knows how to write a great melody, whether he's playing it on guitar or piano or whatever. Mm. But yeah, so you can you can hear this and again, like the instrumental backing, it's not like bad instrumentally and it's got something going on, like a bit of nice guitar. It's just I think, yeah. I genuinely don't know what he was thinking at the time. He probably thought, Oh, this is just a cute little ditty. Like, you know, musicians do have a sense of humor, even like seemingly pompous seeming progressive rock musicians in fact they probably had the best sense of you they, they, it's all the way through progressive rock and i don't think i think he just misstepped on like the humor point here like i maybe mm. i'm wrong maybe he didn't think it was funny but um he's an what? odd dude like he's an odd dude i'll get that out of the way now like he might just <laughs> he's almost like um, I, and I know I mention him all the time. He's kind of got that Brian Wilson vibe of just being like an mm. odd dude who seems somewhat self-aware that he's an odd dude, but also just can't help but be slightly odd dude. And just like, he, he writes these really straightforward lyrics and he's also an amazing musician and you've got that weird mix. And sometimes you're like, oh, this is like maybe a bit too naive. And I, so it's really hard for me to tell with this song, like, oh, is, is Mike Oldfield joking? Is he pulling a leg? Because it kind of feels like it fails if he is doing that. but Yeah, I don't, I don't think he is. I think, I mean, because my understanding is he was living in this house, in this place that he mentions in the song. Mm -hmm. And he did just sometimes ride these ponies. So he's mm -hmm. like, I like ponies. Here's my song about them. Which, yeah. but maybe, maybe I can ask you, Obviously, Tubular Bells is interesting mm -hmm. because it has... Well, it has two elements which are kind of reminiscent of this. The first is that obviously it has one of my favourite tracks, uh, The Sailor's Hornpipe at the end, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a, a short tonal shift, maybe. But the second is that obviously it famously has Vivian Stansel introducing the instruments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what's so, your point um... Well, what do you make... I guess you could say that those two elements from Tubular Bells might in some way feed into this last track on his third album. Do you think there's anything there? Or do you think... How, how do they work, do you think, in the context of his first album? Yeah, well, Tubular Bells is weird in that 
it's a complete mess, right? Like he's just doing, <laughs> he's like I don't even mean that in a bad way, but he's just like doing everything over the course of like 43, 44 minutes or whatever. He's like literally just like there's a there's a the pilt down man section where he's just imitating a caveman. <laughs> There's like guitar solos, like piano, glockenspiel, obviously tubular bells. This is a famous bit, as you say, where it's like slight, two slightly distorted electric guitars, tubular <laughs> bells, it. tubular bells, and then like <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, it concludes with Sailor's Hornpipe, which just gets faster and faster and faster and faster, and then just stops. And again, clearly, there's a lot of sense of humor. I think in in that album. Whilst also it's clearly like a pompous 1970s progressive mm. rock um, album. And yeah, I, I, I think it's just, for me, it's just the common thread through Mike Oldfield's stuff is that he's a weird dude. And I think this is not generally about progressive rock, but you know how much I love progressive rock. The great thing about prog rock is that it really gives free, it gave free reign. It was the period that people were most rewarded commercially for giving free free reign to all their weirdness that's mm. the best way to say it. like there are tons of genres today that people are just being weird as hell but back then in the 70s don't know what was going on i probably do know what was going on lsd <laughs> drugs all that kind of stuff um but people were commercially rewarded for being like mike oldfield was incredibly commercially rewarded this album omadon did very well Hergus red did ridge did incredibly well tubular bells did incredibly well um like people were rewarded for just being really weird like thick as a brick by jethro tull again is a similar format it's just two two tracks like 45 minutes long album and i'm pretty sure that goes to number one in both the uk and the usa i could be wrong but topographic ocean tales from topographic oceans by yes also went to number one i think in the usa and that is an 80 minute long album comprised of four tracks like can you imagine someone doing that now like i'm not even saying that's their best it's not the best album in the world it's as you might imagine way too long <laughs> but like it's just what like it's just crazy that you were commercially rewarded for being a weirdo and let's mm. be honest so this is my main defense of mike oldfield here let's be honest we are all weirdos right we are oh yeah like every everyone is fucking weird <laughs> i don't know how else to say it and like this is just a dude like like yeah embracing that i feel i agree and that's almost why i i don't enjoy the song but i don't want to be like it's a bad song because <laughs> yes, yeah, like yeah. well i think two reasons the first is that he's clearly enjoying it and mm-hmm. it's just one of these luck it's, it's luck of the draw right i enjoy it on tubular bells and i just don't really enjoy it in this form um mm-hmm. on omidon uh, I've mispronounced that. Sorry. That's um, fine. I, I I don't think there's. I think it's a made up word. I don't think it's a specific way to pronounce oh, it. Oh, I looked it up. It's it's a misspelling of a uh, sort uh, of Gaelic word, like a transliteration, which means like an idiot, apparently. Right. I thought I had heard that, but then I was like, is that true? Am I misremembering? But yeah, okay. There we go. So, idiot. Um, I mean, which seems appropriate to this part of the album, at least. Absolutely. Sorry, sorry Michael Field. I don't. I don't mean it. I don't mean it. I take it back. <laughs> but like the second thing is that. I was watching this on YouTube and Mm -hmm. like all the comments are like, this song means so much to me. Mm -hmm. And you might say that that's kind of self-selecting, right? The kind of people who comment under songs tend to be the people being like, oh, this is a great song or Mm -hmm. this is a brilliant rendition of it. But 
so many people being like this you know me and my kid this is our song or this just played at my brother's funeral so clearly there is something about the kind of naivety and optimism of the song which people really you know Mm. people really feel I struck a chord with people Mm -hmm. yeah I I think that's I I think that that, that's what there's something in it which is that it probably is a bit of respite from everyone most people do have that facade on of like I am a pop musician or rock musician and I Mm. need to like be serious but there's well there's a future episode I'm going to be doing about filthy music and Mozart wrote famously a a piece of music which is incredibly filthy um which i don't think i think it kind of like lay undiscovered properly until like the 90s like it's literally complete filth and he would like play it perform it to his friends i'm not even going to mention it because i'll save it for a future episode oh i see i know the one you're talking about yeah, yeah. it's just utter degenerate filth and right i think there's something like nice about the fact that people can be afforded to do that and they think mm. I don't. I think even if I don't like it, like I'm not a big fan of this song. I like the fact he did it, and I think I am more drawn to musicians who have those moments. If even if I don't always like those moments by them, yeah. Because if again, like it's the earnestness of it. Like I do like that they're actually being themselves. There's not like a facade of like we're always trying to be cool, and this is yeah. like the straight path that we we must walk on. Um, exactly. All exactly. my favorite musicians are have those moments where I'm like, oh, right, that's maybe a little bit too earnest and a bit too weird. I'm glad you did it. And there's other songs which are more in line with what I like, but yeah, there's some musicians who just don't even try to do anything as weird as that. But then I just tend not to like that much by them. Whereas I kind of appreciate the inconsistency of someone like Michael feel a bit more, where it's like, yep, he's just doing some balls to the wall, crazy songs, which are just a bit... He's doing yeah. his thing. There we go. That's yeah. He's doing his thing. I kind of, I kind of like that. Without yeah, well, again, w- without liking the song itself. <laughs> I think that's it. Though I think that's, I think that's quite a helpful point that we're kind of getting to, which is that neither of us particularly likes this song, but mm. we like quite a lot of the thinking behind it, and yeah, yeah. we don't think that other people shouldn't like it because we don't like it. It's just that yes, for us, yeah. it just doesn't. It just pushes too far over that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. earnest cringe kind of barrier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, let, let's get to the verdict. Let's get to the verdict, though. So ultimately, although, you know, we're, we're nice and we... Unless you had anything more to say. Yeah. Well, it was only the bit that... The other thing that really bothers me is the... I'd rather be here than flying in space or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And then there's that terrible, like, pseudo UFO, UFO yeah. instrumentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is just... That is... I mean, I think it's of its time, but yeah, yeah. it is so literal. I just hate it. Mm-hmm. It's very 70s. Again, like, I don't know what was in the water. Yes, I do. It was drugs. But people <laughs> in the 70s just loved UFOs. It's just, I, I don't know what it is. I think there's like a weird. So like the whole UFO craze in America started in like the 40s, 50s and, you know, mm. Roswell and things like that. And I feel like by the 70s, yeah, in the way that people like look back on the 90s in a kind of nostalgic kind of way, like in the 70s, the 50s and 40s probably were looked back at like that. And I think. You know, ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, had UFOs as a big part of their, like, aesthetic. Mm, um, Sticks had a song about aliens. The Carpenters had a song about aliens, for Christ's sake. Uh, have you heard it? Calling Occupants. Calling no. Occupants of Interstellar. 
craft or whatever. Oh, it's just... God, no, I do know it. Oh, yeah. my sister's very big into the Carpenters. Oh, yeah. my, no, I it's, do know that. It's just like, and um, Christaberg, I mean, that's a great tune. The uh, Spaceman Came Travelling. I mean, that is a banger, to be fair. That, that, is, that is an absolutely phenomenal song. But something, something <laughs> in the water, just people were obsessed with UFOs. And I think he's just, yeah, it is, it's silly and it is too on the nose, you know. Ooh. I'd rather be with you than flying through space. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Like, like we oh, just God don't, you know, like we we don't need to show and tell. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good point. But um, yeah. So back back to our um, our decision. So we okay. we you know we're nice. We've been we've been nice. We've we've cut it a lot of slack here. We've said you know people can enjoy what they want. We're not damning it. But I think I'm gonna have to push us. We're gonna have to push ourselves to really give it a verdict. Which I think I know where we're going here. But like, yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down, cringe or not cringe. For me, <laughs> for me, yeah, it's cringe. It's cringe. I thought cringe was thumbs down, but you give a thumbs up and said cringe. Is this like I've that condemned it to death, like con- like the yeah. Roman gladiators, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. There we go. So, I I agree. I agree. For me, for me, the main thing is like the immediate visceral reaction, and I still remember the first time I ever heard this, listening to the Hall of Omadon, which again, one of my one of my favorite progressive rock albums. Full stop. Um, and it's probably the best michael yeah it's the best michael field album it's amazing and it ends on a super high note like the coda to that piece is phenomenal like some of the nicest like truly like beautifully like melodic celtic kind of electric guitar playing and it's just mm-hmm. brilliant and then he comes back with this i remember the first time hearing it just being viscerally like what the hell is this like <laughs> like what is this like I just did not understand it. And like, I get it more now. And I told, you know, we've talked through it, but I, I still have to come back to that. And I, I can listen to it now and kind of enjoy it in that ironic way. Like, oh, what? Um, but I still have fundamentally that issue, which is that, yeah, it's just a what the fuck kind of reaction. And it's a visceral it, cringe. You, you just, yeah. I think you need to go with your heart, your original. And Does my this... guts, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's too long. It overstays its welcome. Yeah, it is. It is actually quite long, isn't it? It's just. I mean, now again, that was just the times. Just you know, why write a you know a two minute song when you can write like a five minute song? Why write a five minute song when you can write a ten minute song? You know, it's, it's to get just... the quality, feel the width. <laughs> I think it's a saying. It's a saying. I think. I think I've heard it. It sounds wrong. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think unfortunately we're gonna have to condemn. I think I need a soundboard. I need like a. A, con- a condemn condemnation kind of sound like yes yeah, so you are condemned i don't know what it would be like boo boo yeah, like a crowd. Yeah. yeah um maybe for future episodes i'll edit it in maybe i'll edit it you want in. me to make a jeering crowd noise for you yeah go on okay so i'll say so we we've, we've we condemn this song this is condemned to cringe no boo <laughs> sorry That's that was all- really bad that, it sounds like what... it's condemning your decision to condemn it. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Like in post editing, I can I can get that boo and I can like slap on loads of reverb and make it sound like a crowd of people. So Wait, let's that's, let's that's see. all I've ever wanted. A whole crowd of me. <laughs> <laughs> um awesome, cool. So weird song condemned to my own little room one oh one, basically. The room one oh one of cringe. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, I still love you, but this song is unusual. Um, <laughs> but if, if people like it, then good on them. But yeah. uh, we, we don't. Sorry, thumbs down. Not for us. And Not with that, 
the end of the I nearly said lesson. The end of the lesson. The end of the episode. <laughs> Here endeth the lesson. Um <laughs> thanks again for your time, Lottie. Um well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Good. And for anyone listening, again, I'm on all the social media. I'm on YouTube. Give me a like, a thumbs up, a subscribe, and a share, and all the things. Um cool. See ya. Bye.